I'm Shane Kutchel, and this is KRMG In-Depth, the podcast. In this episode, we speak with Fox News contributor and host of The Sarah Carter Show, Sarah Carter, to learn more about her trips and reporting on the U.S. southern border. Been boots on the ground at the border for a couple, yeah, for the spring and summer of 2022. Earlier this year, uh, just off the top of your head, what did you see? What stood out the most to you during your time there? Well, I, yeah, and they put that focus right up at the top of the, uh, you know, of, of our of our website. But I've been actually covering the border now for about 20 years, and um, the last few years, I've never seen it so bad as I see it now. Uh, just to give you an example, just last night. Uh, in an area they call Normandy, near Eagle Pass here in Texas. This is my home state now, Texas. Uh, 1,700 people came across the border in one large group. Can you imagine those waves just coming in, group after group, being trafficked by some of the most horrendous uh, cartels and human trafficking organizations that we can imagine? Um, they suffer deadly consequences many times, the people who are coming through the border. And I think the biggest surprise for me, uh, Shane, is that it is the government is allowing this to happen so openly. Uh, they rescinded all of the executive orders that were under the previous president, under President Trump. Uh, the border has now become a, in complete chaos, an area of serious national security concern for both our U.S. intelligence as well as our U.S. law enforcement, um, who is very much, these agencies are very much struggling to try to keep uh, the border safe. And they can't. They can't. Their hands are tied behind their back. During this uh, focus on the dark wars, the border, the big focus here is to explain through the voices of all the people involved. That means I, I bring you intelligence experts. I take you on the ground in Guatemala, in El Salvador. We talk to human traffickers. We tell you the real story. We interview presidents. We interview people that are involved in saving people from human trafficking. We talk to leaders in Mexico. I'll be traveling to Mexico this month as well. So we're trying to bring the American public the reality that the border is no longer the border. The border is not only a humanitarian crisis, but it is a national security threat to our nation. Um, and there are extenuating circumstances that every single American family will face and every single person being trafficked will face because of the lackadaisical and failure, complete purposeful failure, of the government not to do anything about it. And you mentioned that some of the policies from the previous administration had been rescinded. Uh, we've also, I believe we've also seen reports from Fox News saying that uh, the Biden administration has kind of turned a blind eye, not provided the support to these border agents that are being overwhelmed. Uh, what can you sort of speak or can you speak to that and how those border agents are being overwhelmed and how little resources they have to handle this influx? Oh, absolutely. Um, look, I spent a lot of time, a lot of years with Border Patrol agents. Many times their frustration was very evident. Now it's more evident than ever before. The morale is very low. This even is a due to, uh, you'll see the same type of situation with anybody at the border, the National Guard that's at the border. They're, they, they just can't do anything. They're all about logistics and theater, they say, because the government will not support them. Let me give you an example. The movement of human trafficking is and drugs into this country um, allows these drug cartels and these trafficking organizations to amass 
hundreds of billions of dollars in assets. That means they have people working for them on the ground. They have the resources that they need to spy on our law enforcement and our intelligence, um, both federal and state. Uh, they don't have to follow any rules. They run a pseudo shadow government in Mexico. Um, and what happens on our side of the border? Our agents are left standing there, uh, arresting, in many cases, apprehending people only to let them go the next day and uh, tell them to enjoy their stay in America. Uh, many times they didn't even give them notices to appear in court because it was such overwhelming numbers that they knew that even if they gave them a notice to appear in an immigration court, that most of the people that were coming in would never appear in the court anyway. So this year we saw a lot of that where people were just being released into the country um, at the direction, mind you, of the administration and the failure of the administration to even back their agents. We saw that um, with the so-called whipping incident in which these agents were chastised publicly by President Biden, um, that he was going to make them pay, only later to find out that the agents never once whipped any of the Haitian migrants that they were trying to keep from coming across the Rio Grande uh, into the United States. And think about this. Think about the dangers at the Rio Grande River. You know, just even dealing with the environment itself, we, we've seen the death of children, of women and children trying to cross. The Rio seems very calm on top. That is until you step into the Rio Grande to come across, and it pulls you from underneath because the undercurrent is so fierce sometimes. We've seen the loss of life, life like we've never seen before. Over 800, over 800 people have lost their lives. That's what we know of, the bodies that we found. And we lost a National Guardsman, you know, who jumped into the river to save the lives of two people that were drowning, and then he himself lost his life uh, doing the very valiant uh, thing to, to, to put his life uh, behind others, you know, to save another human being's life when he shouldn't have even had to have done that to begin with. This is a failed policy. It is dangerous for our nation. It is dangerous for the American people. And, and let me make this clear. Imagine the amount of fentanyl that is coming across the border, too. And we know this. We know this. Why? Because 107,000 Americans lost their lives to opioid that was being Across the border, that was the contraband that was coming across the border from these drug cartels. The majority of those deaths, over 60%, came from fentanyl-laced narcotics that were being manufactured and made in Mexico. Um, these, these fentanyl products are based on precursor chemicals that are being sent to Mexico by our adversary, China. So it's almost like we're in an irregular warfare, too. And we have counterfeit pills all over our streets now. I mean, we've picked up tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pills um, that appear to be Percocet, Oxycontin, Adderall, but they're really fake counterfeit pills that are mainly fentanyl, and the DEA is estimating now that over 40% of those pills that are on our streets that are killing our citizens, and I believe it's a poisoning because many people are not addicted to drugs when they take it. They actually think they're taking um, a prescription drug are enough to kill a grown man. So these pills have more than two milligrams of fentanyl. So we have a very serious crisis at our border. It's multiple levels. 
um, not just on a national level where we're facing such serious national security threats, but it's actually destabilizing the Western Hemisphere as well. And that's why at the Dark Wars podcast, I, you know, especially focusing on the border, I want to bring listeners the reality of what is really going on, not just from what I've seen with my own eyes, but from the people who live through it every day. I take you on that journey with me. And it's a journey, I believe, that belongs to all of us, to the American people. And it's a journey that we have to all be on if, you know, we're going to save the lives of our children and future generations of Americans. And by the way, future generations of migrants who are losing their lives um, in this very, very dangerous place uh, that we know of now as the border. And so you mentioned that China may be involved as well. You also mentioned earlier that some of these other countries from which people are coming from are making money out of doing this. Uh, What type of business and sort of profit are these countries making off of uh, this this process? And also, uh, how much of a role do you think China is playing? I think China is playing a massive role in this situation. Um, Look, China is our number one adversary on the global stage right now. I truly believe that followed closely by Russia, of course, and our other adversaries like North Korea or Iran. And many of them have taken advantage of the lackadaisical attitude that our State Department, and I don't blame just the Democrats for this. I blame um, both parties across the board for failing to secure the Western Hemisphere from our adversaries. And they saw the failure at the border. I mean, the Chinese, the CCP, the Communist Party, sees that we are not paying attention to this, that we have failed to pay attention to our neighbors to the south, um, and that includes all of Central America and Mexico. We see how communism is spreading now across those areas. We've seen it in Nicaragua. We see in Colombia now uh, the changes right now in Colombia with the new Colombian president saying we're no longer going to eradicate uh, the cocaine that is growing in his country, that's going to bring in a whole new plethora of drugs into the United States that we weren't expecting. But think about this. We have adversaries like China that have promised that they can successfully target the United States without ever lifting up a weapon, that they will target us with irregular warfare. And what do we know now? Our U.S. Treasury has already announced this. You can find the reports online. And I have a great podcast coming up this week as well on China with all of the experts you can imagine and all of the information right there at the tips of your fingers, you know, at the Dark Wars pod. But imagine this, the Chinese not only are providing the precursor chemicals that are used to make the fentanyl, knowing that it's going to the drug cartels, shipping it into Mexico, knowing it's going to the cartels. But listen to this. They are now laundering the money that comes into the United States. So as the cartels make their hundreds of billions of dollars, the cartels aren't depositing this or moving this money into the regular, normal, uh, quote-unquote, banks that they used to. Now they're avoiding that altogether for the most part. They're now sending it in through China by using their cell phones, moving it very quickly, almost in a Bitcoin fashion, straight through into the Chinese banking system. So it makes it almost impossible for our law enforcement and our U.S. intelligence officials to, uh, I guess, hold that money, intervene, 
stop it. The Chinese are in control of their own internal banking systems. So China has been very smart about how to play this. And think of all the money. I mean, China's right now suffering economically. So imagine all the money, too, that the Chinese are benefiting from this by laundering money in China and then sending it back out into the world. So we're this isn't just about, you know, gangs, and we already see the enormous havoc of violence on our streets from, you know, illicit narcotic cells and, and all of this and what the cartels have done internally in our country. But now we're seeing our adversaries say, wow, look at what the United States has done and the failure of the United States to actually grab hold of this and put a stop to it. The Chinese have also been very well targeting our agricultural. We talk about this. They've been purchasing up land all across the United States. Um, near some of our most uh, important installations out here in Texas, 130,000 acres plus was purchased by a Chinese company that was run by the former head, former general of the Chinese military. And that was right near Laughlin Air Base. I know it's hard to believe 130,000 acres of American land near an installation, a U.S. installation in Oklahoma. In the great state of Oklahoma, I interviewed Governor Stitt, um, was out on his farmland with him. He was talking about how he and others in the Oklahoma legislature have worked diligently to stop the straw men because there were a lot of straw men coming in, uh, working around the loopholes in Oklahoma to purchase farmland. And those straw men were purchasing the farmland for none other than the Chinese. Those Chinese companies that are directly connected to, uh, to, to China, to the CCP. And we saw the same thing in Montana, which was, to me was incredible on the ground in Montana, as I'm looking at these huge cell phone towers um, and realizing that the Chinese and Chinese Huawei connected their own communications equipment all across the great state of Montana in the area, lo and behold, where we have 150 ICBMs, you know, our ICBM intercontinental ballistic missile silos. So this is a very serious threat. Um, it's one that I, you know, I kind of call it China's, tro you know, Trojan horse. Um, you know, when you talk to people, and you'll hear a lot of different people, Gordon Chang, Daniel Hoffman, who used to be a CIA station chief, you know, in the upcoming episode, um, Governor Stitt, who uh, is in the upcoming episode talking about what, you know, the great state of Oklahoma is doing to stop this. But you start to realize, well, what's going on here? You know, is this irregular warfare? Is China preparing the battlefield? Um, are they going to take away our leadership in the future? And guess what? It all boils down to paying attention to what is happening in our nation, what's happening on our border, what's happening in our hemisphere, and thinking outside the box and connecting those dots. It's just that important. Final question would be, what do you have to say to someone who does not live in a border state and says, oh, that's just their problem? Or, open border, so what? That doesn't affect me. Oh, it affects every single one of us. An open border is a very dangerous, dangerous place, not just there, but across the whole country. The cartels have realized that, look, they fight over that open border, not because they want to stay here in Texas, you know, or go to Arizona or California or New Mexico. They fight over those transit routes, those highway systems, 
that are the veins that feed our nation. And within those highway systems, the cartels are moving massive, massive amounts of narcotics and people. And if you want to just talk about a couple of things like the humanitarian crisis, the predators that are trafficking children uh, as young as seven, six years old, sexual predators that are trafficking children, the people that are being utilized as slaves here in the United States, or the narcotics that are coming into communities all across the country, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, as far away as Maine, New Hampshire, where we see continuous drug overdoses and deaths. This isn't just about a war on drugs like we saw in the 1980s. This is about counterfeit pills spreading all across our country. And children are dying, people are dying, our loved ones are dying, and why do we want the cartels to retain territory in our own country? That's not American. That's not who we are. We have structure. We have law and order. We're a nation built on immigrants, but we're a nation built on laws. And those laws exist for a reason. They exist not only to protect us, to pro to, but to protect those people that are being abused by a reckless system that has given the power to some of the most dangerous people on planet Earth. And every single one of us should want to stop it because the border is no longer at the border. It really is in every single one of our backyards. It really is in every single one of our communities. Um, and that I can promise you. A lot of the reports that we see about the border or we hear about the border is just the amount of migrants that are coming across. And that's really it. It's just, hey, there's a lot. There's a problem. Please help us. And then nothing really happens. Um, what are some of the more uh, jarring abuses of human life that you've seen down there uh, that would sort of, as you mentioned, kind of the humanitarian crisis aspect of this, not only Americans suffering from the drugs that are coming across, but what about these people that are seeking new life here in America, but are being met with absolute brutality? It, it's horrific. It's horrific. And I'm going to be blunt. Uh, you know, I was in El Salvador, and the main reason why I interviewed the human smuggler there was because he wanted to tell me a story. He wanted to tell me what was actually happening with some of the children that he was trafficking. Um, he believed that those children were just going to be trafficked right into the United States, but those children were actually, some of them were being taken by the cartels. Some of those children were actually being used for organ harvesting. The life of a child means nothing to these monsters. Um, not only do they use the children, many of these children that are traveling alone, these unaccompanied minors who come from the mountains of Guatemala or Honduras, where there's no real evidence that they ever even existed. You know, there's no birth certificate, there's no vaccine records, or they're looking for their parents, or they're being trafficked by people who are predators, sexual predators. These kids disappear, and they disappear, imagine, in such horrific ways not only are the children abused sexually, but then they're taken, they're killed, their organs are harvested. Sometimes the bodies are used to transport narcotics. So once they're done abusing them sexually, once they've harvested their organs, then the body can be used to stuff and transport narcotics to a morgue that's on their payroll. Imagine the kind of people that we are dealing with. These people have no loyalty to their nation, to our nation, to humanity, to anything. So if they're willing to do that to a child, imagine what they'd be willing to do for money 
if, if they were moving a terrorist or if they just kept their eyes shut and somebody was moving a WMD into our country, a weapon of mass destruction, which, which by the way, I consider fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction and so does the DEA. Um, but imagine the kind of horrors uh, that these children suffer. And if you don't mind, I'll just, I'll end with this. You know, Tom Homan, he's a former uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement Officer that uh, w- worked at ICE under many different presidents, both Democrat and Republican. And he told me a story on my podcast that was as gut-wrenching as the one that I just told you. And uh, it was a child that died recently, a 20-month-old um, who drowned in the river. His parents were saved, but the child died. And when they went to the hospital, um, Tom Homan also was at the hospital. And he told me, you know, that the doctor had come out and he said, well, how is the family? How's the baby? And the doctor said, well, you know, the child died. And he was like, oh, that's horrible. Can't believe what happened. And the doctor said, but wait a minute. I need to tell you something else. That 20-month-old child, by the way, their family had come all the way from an African nation to the United States, had been brutally assaulted, raped multiple times. When they did, um, when they uh, had the child after the child's death, and they did an examination, they found that the child had been damaged internally and had been damaged internally multiple times. So she was sure the child wouldn't have made it anyways. Um, That is what happens at the border. So if you care about the people that are being trafficked, I speak Spanish. My mother was an immigrant to the United States. I'm first born on her side. And I absolutely adore children. I have, we have six of our own. And I, you know, it's going to make me cry. (laughs) But if you care, and the reason why I do this, you'll put a stop to it. Every single one of us will stand up and say, this is unacceptable. No more. Let's find a better way. Let's put these animals, worse than animals, let's put these monsters out of business. Let's hold them accountable. And let's find a way to save future children from such a horrific fate. Thank you very much again for the time, for the interview. This is some great and, like I said, harrowing details. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to share and needed to share before you go, um, just in terms of a final point that you wanted to make or anything? Well, I would just like, you know, if anybody wants to subscribe to the podcast, I think you're coming on a journey with me. It's a, it's like you're listening to a story, but we take you deep into all of these extraordinary places, and we talk to extraordinary people. And I, you know, I've been getting a lot of feedback, and people are telling me it's like, oh, they feel like it's a book on tape, and this podcast is so great, and we love what you know our our editors have done with it, and we have a great team of producers and editors who have spent so much time on this and brilliant sourcing uh, people that have given their time to be a part of this story. So if you go to thedarkwarspod.com, that is thedarkwarspod.com, you can subscribe to uh, the podcast series and uh, we'll make sure that you get the episodes as soon as they debut and break. Awesome. Thank you very much, Sarah. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Fantastic interview and thank you for the time. I'm Shane Cutchell. You've been listening to KRMG In-Depth, the podcast.